Welcome to season two of Conversate Trans. Conversate Trans is an intergeneration podcast exploring trans culture. We're a small art and history collective, and in each episode, Jules and Alexandra interview other trans people. That means we're a trans podcast meant for trans people. The type of podcast we do is a free-flowing conversation with other trans people we know or don't know. We want to document and highlight the vast story they experience in the trans community. Because behind every salacious story portrayed in the media are these glorious, kind, audacious people who have their own stories and personalities that go along with being trans. Hi, I'm Alexandra. And I'm Jules. And this is the Conversation Trans Podcast. And this week we're speaking with Jamie and Chloe O'Hurley. And as usual, we ask people to bring in items so we get to know them better. So can I ask... I guess we'll start with Jamie, which item you brought with you. Well, basically, I don't have an item per se, but something that really helped me at the start of my transition was makeup. So I'm sitting here at my makeup desk, not wearing any makeup, but, <laughs> but there's makeup here. And what did you bring, Chloe? Um, Sorry, I said that weird. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking about talking about work. Um, I'm a hairdresser, and I work in a gender free salon so yeah they kind of like compliment each other like a makeup yeah. and hair in like a beautiful way it's just the vanity <laughs> sisters I would vanity say it's, <laughs> well yeah but like vanity is important to like help you feel better about yourself yeah i guess it, it definitely is um a tool that people use um to help in transition or just help to feel better about yourself and maybe your gender, I don't know. I don't know. And J- Jamie, is there any particular uh, piece of makeup that you especially love? Like, um, what, what kind of makeup can you not go without? Pretty much concealer. I think concealer and mascara. Yeah. Um, I think mascara was probably the first thing I ever used. Um, it was like throughout my actual like life, I guess. Like, so at first it was like my mom's mascara, her disgusting yeah. blue mascara that she had from probably the eighties. And there's me as a child running around using that. And then I think she got black mascara. And I remember dressing up as like Christina Aguilera. And I would like smear the mascara all over my eyes and like do an AG for, um, no, CG for Christine. Oh no, CA for Christine Aguilera. I'm here to her. Letters are not working with me right now. And it was just, yeah, it was just not a good look. But I mean, mascara was there. And then in school, I would go into school wearing mascara because it just made me feel better with myself. Um, and then when I kind of came out, then it was like, well, I was doing drag for a little while and the, the drag queens used to mock me because I used to wear like literally BB cream and mascara and they would just be like, my my, my name was Brittany T. Carter because I was like, the middle was like Brittany Thomas Carter. I don't know, I just thought it sounded better. And they're all be like, oh yeah, Brittany T. Carter, T. Carter. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, you're trans, honey. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And then I came out as trans and I was like, they were right. <laughs> um, so yeah. Is that because like, were you like too subtle for them with your makeup? Yeah, hundred percent. Like I used to call them clowns. Like I was, I, I want to look like a clown, honey. And they were like, "No, honey, we look like drag queens. You just look like a, a girl." I'm just like, oh, oh well. You just look like you pass and are normal. Yeah. That was it. Well, whatever passing a normal means. Yeah, um, I, I, I love. I think foundation has to be my favorite because I just become like hide all my bloody scars and everything from like being a teenager and having acne. Mm-hmm. It just gave me like nice, soft, like healthy looking skin. Yeah. Skin is really. I really just really fun. like skin. Like, don't, don't make it weird. Well, now it sounds like Buffalo Bill. Like, <laughs> oh, God. No. Okay. Uh, move the conversation along. Chloe, do you want to tell us more about like uh, your. Sorry, you, you work in a hair salon? Yeah. So I, I started working in this really cool hair salon in Edinburgh just this week. Um, it's called Stag Barber Co. Um, yeah, the first job I've had in a long time where I feel really comfortable 
being open about being ah, trans. Um, and they have like, so the way they kind of address their clients is all gender neutral. So they use like they, them pronouns for everyone. Um, they give you the option of telling you their your their pronouns at the beginning of the appointment um, and all of their pricing is like gender neutral. So yeah, it's nice to be in a safe space. That's really great. Cause you ever see like, um, do you know how like uh, most, most companies will have like branding they'll put on their um, packaging to say like if they're environmentally friendly and stuff like that. I always thought like, what if we had something like that for hairdressers or like any other kind of business where like they could get these stickers that were basically like, you know, we support the LGBT community and kind of pop them on there. Like as in like, you know, trans people are welcome at our hair salon type of thing. So like for eggs, if they're like looking for somewhere to start, because I think that can be quite uh, scary, like going to a hairdresser for the first time and being like, give me a woman's cut or vice versa if you're a trans man. I think for a lot of salons in Ireland and the UK, they kind of brand themselves as like LGBT safe salons. But for LGBT friendly salons, you need to be like a gender, like a a trans safe space as opposed to just um, LGBT friendly, because I just don't think that's enough. Yeah, I I mean, I suppose it can't hurt business. Like, just have, like, a bigger um, client base. Yeah, definitely. I know in the United States, this isn't honestly the same, but it's to do with businesses and bathrooms. I think in Florida, they've had, like, a bill passed where they can refuse, like, someone who's obviously gender, like, I'll say variant. They'll be like, and it's so creepy. And if you don't, enact that and if you're like oh anyone can use our bathrooms you can go like find so i do think it's important to have places here and in the uk where it's like you can come in regardless of like your gender so i'm like i think it's great but i don't think that was the question that was more the statement oh my god are you thinking of though the um that recent bill where like if they if they're willing to serve trans people they have to put like a notice for like to warn cis people basically yeah, but I think it's the way around. Like, they can't do it at all. Yeah, I think, like, Chloe's place actually brands themselves on, like, being very trans-friendly and trans-safe. Um, I think they just treat everyone with the same, you know... I think I think it's class. Like, when you told me you were going to be working yeah. there, I was so happy for you. It's, like, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Go on. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, but also just even how great it is a place to work like they've they've set up like counseling services for all their staff um and they're trying to get everybody on like a four-day week and pay them for the fifth day um so yeah they're just great trying to adapt for like a realistic like what what would the word be um work-life balance but that's like two words wait three words Yeah, I, I think it's going to like be like employee-friendly. Because isn't that kind of like what they're saying is like realistic if we had like kept uh, after like the Industrial Revolution when like people went from like doing so six-day work weeks to five days and like whatever hours, to, like the minimum or the maximum amount of hours you're meant to put in the 40-hour or whatever. And like if we had kept going in that direction nowadays we should be only doing a four-day week or something because of like technology and stuff. Has improved. Yeah, definitely. Um, actually, I think I wrote about that in my uh, communications essay when I was for college. I saying about like how with the like improvement technology, we haven't really had the social improvements to kind of protect ourselves nearly from like how computers can make make things like like there's a higher expected productivity because of computers. Yeah, definitely. That's why I work on OnlyFans. I choose my own hours. I do what I want to do. Nobody tell me what to do, honey. <laughs> Wait, but can't they like request? 
videos on OnlyFans. Of men are like, do this, this, do this. I'm like, no. <laughs> well, I thought it's the requ- they tip you and then they request. Or is it just like, well, we'll no, request without like, tipping you? So basically how I operate it is I, I it's, it's almost like, a, for me, it's almost like a strip club, okay? So you basically pay your admission fee to, oh, yeah. you know, look at all the, the stuff that I would never have anywhere else. Like I wouldn't have on my Instagram, I wouldn't have anywhere else. And that's all the kind of teasing and whatever. And then if they want anything like more hardcore that I'm comfortable doing, then they pay extra to see that. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like when you go into a strip club, you pay the entrance fee. And then if you want a private dance or you want, you know, whatever service, you have to pay more. And that's how I work it. And you know what? I don't do anything I'm not comfortable doing. And I choose what I put up there and what I want people to see. So I think, you know, I'm making, you know, I know I'm paying into a, you know, a business, which is OnlyFans, and they take percentage, but I still think, you know, oh, wait, is that how it's OnlyFans, like, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, I've never used it, but is, is it like, um, how, like, McDonald's chains kind of work, where, like, each chain, each building or whatever is owned by, like, its own person, but they just kind of buy in the McDonald's brand? So, like, you're kind of buying the OnlyFans brand, in a way, you're paying for it? Probably, yeah. I don't know, like... Yeah, I mean, you get, like, their... I guess the backing of OnlyFans. Their platform, and, like, I guess they... Actually, I don't really know how it works. Yeah, I guess you're paying them to give you the opportunity to do what you need to do. So, like, without like without OnlyFans, I wouldn't have been able to afford surgery or to move up to Dublin or, like, get my car or um, any of my all my lessons. Like, everything was all covered by OnlyFans. Like, it sounds kind of like me, like, an insurance policy. Like, oh, yeah, they covered it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I worked for it, honey, but, um, but, um, yeah, no, definitely. I think, I think the only thing wrong about it is probably the kind of like that sex industry itself. You know, I think you're really, everything that you pay is going to, I'm going to ramble now, but everything you pay oh, is yeah. going to go towards the rich people in the world, isn't it? So me purchasing, like, or me being on OnlyFans making that money. That money is yeah. then going off to somebody else. At the else. same you know, time, the I think take. we need it's to be more challenging the sex work industry yeah. as opposed to sex records. Um, yeah, cause it, it's a bit like if you have the money to yeah. build the servers that can host the OnlyFans mm-hmm. kind of thing, and then like basically you're giving them money to access those servers. But like, sorry, it's just kind of a case of when they already have mm-hmm. the money, it's just like they can make more money and they can keep making more money. Because it's the same as the house market, like yeah. they can buy all the buildings and then rent them out, and they're making it's a like with, buildings, so they're never really like able to lose money. I feel like it's like when Bella Thorne joined. I know she was like, "Oh, I'm gonna do it," and I think it was. I obviously did not join her profile. Well, I mean, not obviously, but like I didn't. It was very like tame photos, and then I remember seeing some like other sex workers I follow being like they weren't allowed to get there that month because OnlyFans was like. Oh, we don't have enough money to like pay like our more regular people. No, it wasn't for me. I don't know what. Um, I didn't. I wasn't affected by that. But I, I, I heard of people being affected by that, and I think, yeah, that was who's that. And she's obviously someone who's got enough money herself. Like, I don't know why she needs to go out and Mm -hmm. you know use that platform. Um, what? Oh, right. Oh, yes. She is an ex-Disney star. She was on a television show with Zendaya. Well, I don't know if Zendaya is. She was a Disney. At this point. Um, Bella Thorne. She's like, yeah, but she's like 22, 21 now. So it's like she didn't do it once. She was like freshly legal. She just waited and she's in some questionable movies. And she's just someone who's very like rambunctious. She's like makes Again, questionable music. I don't know anything about And she's just someone who likes to, like, show off. I think she was was dating Tana Mojo at one stage. That's all I can say. Yeah. So she's very, like... I think I saw her labeled as, like, the queen of Gen Z at one point. Um, So... Yeah. I know, Gondos. I I, I was just going to talk about how I... (laughs) About OnlyFans. Are you going to say something, Alexandra? (laughs) I don't know. I just I just find it kind of curious. It's very kind of interesting to me. Because I don't really know anything about it. Like, I guess I was going to ask like personal questions, like how do you find it? 
I like it. Like I, as I said to you already, like I choose what I what content I want to to go up there. Um, my whole thing is finessing men. That's finessing. Not what I like to do, but it's what I do and what I'm good at. So finessing by finessing, I mean like, like basically like nice. putting out something that men will mm-hmm. buy. I know they'll buy, and even though it's probably not the best content and it's not probably what they were, what they thought that they were going to get because they had a presumption, a presumption of like what I was going to put out there. And then they pay the money and I'm like, you got your money, honey. <laughs> I don't know. Does that make any sense? But No, it does. Yeah. You're like, I want, I guess maybe tease would be the word and then they come in. They're like, they're hey, like, where's all the porn? And I'm like, I never told you there was porn here. <laughs> oh, so you don't yeah. make like sexual content or explicit yeah. content? No, I mean, I do, I, do, I do, but it's not like, as in like, oh. you know what, some of the stuff is on my Instagram, but like most of is it, it kind of like, most of it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Is it kind there of specific? Is, like, I guess there is porn on there. Oh. Yeah, it's like, you yeah. know, like people are into weird things like feet and like, well, that's not weird, but know feed and stockings and pvc and all that kind of stuff and then recently i did post a like a blowjob video uh, which was like my first ever one and i was like i'm so nervous to do it thanks i'm so brave um like it's a thing people do it all the time i don't know why people are so caught up about it like i just think ireland and and the way we look at like sex and stuff is just so i mean i i messed up sorry um i i I just Sorry, just to normalize. Oh my god, yeah. Just to normalize it, you know, just to normalize the conversation around sex and around sex workers and about sex performers and you know the adult entertainment. I can't really speak about um, sex workers. I don't have any experience of it, but like, I do feel like sex, just as a whole, is quite a difficult issue for. Well, first of all, Irish people seem to have a big stick up their ass about it, and not in a fun way, but um. Uh, just, just like even talking about when you're trans, there's this kind of like weirdness where we're so sexualized by the media. Like even like you know, Jules was saying Buffalo Bill. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I'd have never seen Silence Lambs, but I have seen the clips where he's like all naked and like, would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. And um, oh that's just to say that's the only like scene that where he, because it is a he. I think they make yeah. it clear in the movie, and obviously. It's oh, not great, but that's the only point in yeah. that film where it's oh they're sexualized, but obviously he kills women for their skin. So I'm not going to say it's like something you <laughs> oh, need to I, watch. You know, I I I loved horror horror. horror. Like, if you want, go right it. ahead. I love horror, so but I I I think it would give me dysphoria because like or just even make me sad because it's he's Buffalo Bill is so obviously kind of labeled as being trans in that way. Like I know they say in the movie that he's not. Or whatever. I mean, he identifies as trans, but then they say he's not trans, and they refuse him surgery, and it's like so problematic. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think I agree with you that, like, yeah, that we are very sexualized but, in media. But then and, it's like we're we're stripped um, of our own sexuality. Like we can't really, because I feel so afraid to really talk about, and because yeah. I feel like I am quite a sexual person in a healthy way. Um, but I I don't really know how to express that, mm-hmm. especially like. In terms of relationships, like, like, do I go out and just be like, "Hey, here's what I'm into," and just scream it out? And especially because I, I don't date men. I'm not really attracted to men. And like, when you have turfs accusing mm. us of like horrible shit all the time, there was a post on Facebook today where it was like, uh, or not Facebook, uh, Twitter. It was a screenshot from turf accounts, but um, saying how trans women call themselves girls because they're pedophiles, and it's like, excuse me, like that's some leap in logic. Sorry. Uh, welcome to uh, Rant Say Trans. Uh. <laughs> yeah. No, I think there is a huge attack on yeah. trans women for everything we do. And I think, like, I've always been an uber sexual person as well. And I've always been sexualized from probably a really young age, like, to be fair. Um, and I just think while I hate feeding into that, you know, being fetishized and being objectified like that, um, mm. not just being a trans woman, but being a woman in general, um, I think it's going to happen 
it's going to happen regardless. And I like, I literally had an argument with a cis man, a cis straight man about this. And he was like, why are you feeding into it? Why are you, you know, you're, you're not, you're not helping the cause. And I'm kind of like, well, no, because this is always going to be a thing. And I think men are always going to sexualize women. Um, it's never going to completely disappear. And I think while, um, while I am, I would classify myself as a sex worker an online sex worker, I also would advocate for the rights of women and, you know, not being sexualized as a trans woman, but be more just like, if you find me attractive, if you want to watch content, grand. Yeah. But like, I need to make a living myself and I'm not, I'm not going back to a job where I wasn't, um, respected and I wasn't, yeah, I didn't feel comfortable or safe in, um, and one that really physically and mentally wore me down. Yeah for a 10 or an hour like I'm sorry but I'm not doing that I'm going to make my my earnings the way I need to and I think um, if you take sex out of it at the end of the day it's a service just like so many other people provide Um, I think it's just because we're so obsessed with sex and humans that we make it a thing when to an actual fact there's not much difference between going and paying to get a haircut than going and paying to have sex. Yeah. If you got the skills, you got the skills, it's, right? It's, it's also, is there some aspect of like owning your own sexuality as well to it? Yeah. Definitely. And like your own body? I think as long mm-hmm. as sex workers are protected. And yeah. Online and in person. I do feel actually here's the question so I'm a bit of, uh, I'm an well I'm studying illustration I, I don't know if I call myself professional but I have got paid work but um I I've I've gotten paid stuff to do like strongs that are a bit sexual in nature would you consider that sex work or do you think that's kind of different I wouldn't say so because you're not right. performing in an act of, of sex um, and you're not being sexual yeah. yourself unless you are being sexual while creating this art then maybe but um other than that probably not I think and just, I just kind of care it's up to whatever artist. pays the bills right exactly do you know what that's what it is and if you're happy that's doing true. it and if you're safe doing it then work away like can we ask about because I know you both came out like I guess publicly at the same time and in the media. And I remember seeing you on the mm. late late from the GCN, like how that affects their transition. I think it was a massive It's like the first us. part of this um, question. It's the mm-hmm. Lilith, there's multiple parts. To be honest, it was kind of, I think it made our transition really difficult at the beginning because we had no sense of privacy or, do you know, that we could make mistakes and learn from them without having a lot of eyes on us and a lot of expectations that we should be, um, you know, kind of, that we would have all the information when we're only kind of discovering gender for the first time ourselves. Um, so yeah, I definitely think it was difficult. I think, is it kind of because, like, it, they, they, you would obviously get asked a lot of questions then, and you being so young, as opposed to like an older trans person. Yeah, I think I think as yeah. Chloe said, like we didn't really have the information. We just knew who we were, and we knew what what we felt. And um, the reason why why we went so publicly was because there wasn't really anyone our age, and. Right. you know, in Ireland, like, really doing anything and, like, media or anything, like, when you looked for it, it wasn't there, um, and I just think, like, like we had, like, Dr. Lydia Foy, and I think she was probably the only person I knew that was doing anything, you know, making a, making noise yeah. in the Irish trans community. Maybe, maybe I was just, um, maybe I was just being, what's the word, like ignorant, or maybe I was just not, but I, I genuinely, every time I searched for trans, it was everything over in the UK, everything over in America. And I felt like, where where are the people coming from where me and Chloe have come from? Like, why isn't there, why aren't we out there? Like, why aren't we talking about our experience and talking about 
you know, how we are in society and how we're going to do this and healthcare and whatever. And this was like 2015, oh. like Caitlyn Jenner and everything, all these people started coming out and it was, it was just a holy shit show. And it was just like, we need to, let's try and do something. And what we tried to do was we tried to be gallant in it. We tried to be brave and whatever. And it literally just backfired. Like the tabloids, all the magazines, everything they said, the language they used was just literally horrendous. And it was like society was looking at us like we were jokes. Um, The trans community were looking at us as if we were the worst things to ever happen to the community. And to be honest, looking back, it was embarrassing. Like, I feel like what we tried to do was good, but... It's kind of like what they tell you to do. Like, be brave and put yourself out there and represent, and then it was quite... And then you do, and they're like, no, you're doing it all wrong. We were just we were just trying to be true to ourselves and like you know be there like and don't get me wrong like there were hundreds of messages thousands of messages of people being like thank you so much for you know what you like being so open about yourself and you know coming out and whatever and people saying that you know they they were able to find the courage to come out to their families and parents and stuff like that so I think we did do a, a, a bit of good but at the same time I think we weren't knowledgeable enough to um to correct certain things you know i.e. Um, headings like sex swap rubs and just really, really like, weird shit. Like, like that the, was the story is quite, um, it, It's very easy to sensationalise as well. Like being sisters and then your mom yeah. is lesbian, yeah? So so it's like, I, I can only imagine the, the bad fate actors, devil's advocates. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, like, when, I don't know. You just have to, like, kind of move on and grow and just try and and, and be better, you know, just for yourself and for yeah. your community yeah. and stuff. I mean, I, I, think that's what I, we've been I would kind of imagine, you know, the people through. who kind of had that reaction of, like, it helped me come out and stuff like that, that had a positive impact on their lives that changed their lives for the better. Mm-hmm. Whereas the people who are probably bitching are like, this was just a Twitter story of the week yeah. kind of thing, right? It was like whatever, they had a the bitch and then they forgot about it and it hasn't really yeah, done any damage. Mm-hmm. I think I think it probably helped more people. Yeah. I like to hope so anyway. No, definitely. I do what think, do think that... What do you think, though? I think if we did anything, it was just getting, like, our story out there so that people who were questioning their gender or thinking about transitioning, at least they were able to see somebody that was going through the same thing at the same time as them because like before I came out I spent a lot of a lot of time like googling and researching yeah trans women in Ireland or like successful trans women in Ireland because I wanted to see that okay well maybe there's a chance that I could still become like an award-winning hairstylist and I could go on to be successful even though I have to do this transition for the next 10 years of my life, can I do it yeah. side by side? And when I, when I searched, I didn't find anything. There was nothing out there. Um, I couldn't even find a Google result of a trans hairdresser anywhere in the world. Really? So it's like, do you know, when you, when you, when you're questioning something, you want to make sure that like, it's going to work out or, you're not making the wrong decision and I just didn't want my entire of my life to be affected and yeah yeah because it's I mean it, it almost feels hard to think now because it's, it's almost been a decade since I started coming out but um there is like that fear like of or like there's so many questions I guess about your future mm. and it, it feels so uncertain because it's kind of hard to imagine a future where you don't transition. Like, it's very... Well, it was for me. I suppose I shouldn't say that for everyone. But, um... Yeah, I definitely think... And I think that's that's part of the reason Conversate Trans and Sterling's is intergenerational, because we have the older trans women and, as well... Uh, mm. Oh, sorry, not just trans. Well, we actually haven't found an older trans land interview yet. But, um... We, we have, like, that mix of genders and... It's intersectional, I guess, right? That's the word. Yeah. And um, 
it's just that it can just be so powerful uh, intersectionality and like just seeing other, older people who have I think I was quite lucky in the Starlings and Starlings say probably and um, meeting a lot of older women like Sarah Phillips and Aoife uh, oh, what's the first name again, Joe? Oh, shit, we haven't interviewed him. Aoife Martin, we haven't interviewed her yet. <laughs> um, anyway. Aoife uh, Martin. Just because just they have built their careers and they have, like, all these stories of their... Like, if you guys haven't heard those uh, episodes with Sarah and... Uh, and uh, Claire. Claire Farrell. Was it Claire Farrell? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. No, we actually haven't had her on either. There were some technical That's difficulties. Right. We, we interviewed them. It's hard okay. of hearing, and we found mine before. We did mind, interview them for like the, uh, the, difficult to the deal with. Every Woman Project, where we had like all the trans women uh, lit up on the GPO. So um, they they just their their stories of like their careers and like you know all the things they've achieved now as they transitioned. Yeah, but. Just to, like, say that I don't think... Well, obviously, Sarah has been very visible, but with Claire, I, she wouldn't have sure, been somebody yeah. able to find in a Google search to, like, reassure you that there's, like, trans... Um, so I get what you're talking about when you, like, search through it. It's, like, uh, a well, minefield, and it's so difficult, and uh, you don't often find it's very it. visible. So, I don't know her name, but she did the uh, soundtrack for The Shining, and Tron and a few other movies and she's like very famous and successful oh yeah <laughs> I think more I think more so it's a like for me it was about do you know when you walk into a group of into like a social setting like if you were to walk into a large group of people you don't want to feel like the only trans person there you don't want to feel like the only the only person that's like you in the room yeah. So I think for me, like throughout my whole career, I've always been the only trans person in any salon I've ever worked in. Really? So it can that, be that, quite... That's quite shocking to me because I, I always thought, well, as a kid, at least, like the stereotype for the salon worker was someone who was very queer and very, like, visibly queer as well. Mm. So I always kind of pitched that. But, um. Yeah, not really in salon, so. Um, like in a, in a lot of salons, like gender normative, and you know, even though there are a lot of gay men working in salons, that yeah. necessarily isn't the best thing either because there can be this kind of sense of entitlement from a lot of the gay men I've worked with in my career. Really? And yeah. I've had That's... some of the most disgusting comments made from gay men who are my bosses and stuff. So, yeah, I definitely think when it comes to us as a trans community, I think our experiences are very um, kind of unique and not really shared by, by the rest of the LGBT community. Right. really to like shit honestly well no I suppose like it's always been like even in the six late 60s early 70s it's been like gay men who are the ones who are like I guess it's they were seen the most not acceptable but I guess they had I don't know what I'm trying to say I guess it's just like I guess socially, gay men have been, been the most visible for the yeah. longest, or the most, not even the most accepted, oh, but the just, most visible, and that has obviously led to uh, the way yeah. they see, like, trans people as not Just got a little note from that. Like, oh, your brain is back or something. From that, whatever. From that, it was Wendy Carlos who was the, the, um, who orchestrated the music with The Shining and Chan. It was trans woman. I have to, like, um, that's right. I've never heard of you it. You've heard of Shining, right? The Shining? Yeah. With the guy, yeah, with the accent, yeah, he breaks on the door and he's like, here's Johnny. Yeah, she, that that one, so, like, that, oh, yeah, that's yeah, such yeah, a famous was, yeah. movie. 
Um, I think the score is pretty famous, though I don't like remember it. But speaking of media, Lilith has asked a well, that's a follow-up question. Run Do you away. have any advice <laughs> yeah. about dealing with the media? Run away is great. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, literally. Well, I think my my advice to anybody who wants to be dealing with the media at the moment is mm. make sure they're fucking paying you, honey. Because like the amount of stuff that we did and we weren't paid for, and we were stressing about, we had to work for. And we never, we didn't get paid. Like we got paid for the one, we got paid for closer and we might've got paid for one or two other things. But most of the shit that we did was not paid for. And I think we're in 2021 now. And I think now people need to pay trans people for their, for their experience and, and, you know, to come on and do work, you know, like, for example, it's pride month, you know, next month. And, I've got so many people onto me, like brands and stuff, asking to do this, that, and the other. And I'm like, what's the budget? What do your, you know, the people that you're asking to come on, what do they get? And they're like, oh, exposure. I'm like, what? I have enough exposure. Like, if you want me to go away and take pictures and talk about something or whatever, why aren't you paying me? It's a job, right? Why aren't you paying me? Because you pay anybody else to do it. Why aren't you paying me? And they're like, oh, well, you know, you can select a charity and you can shout them out or whatever. And I was like, yeah, but that's for one month out of the year. And then you ignore us for the rest. So, and there was one company, I'm not going to name them, obviously, but um, I was just like, okay, fair enough. And I was like, okay, so there's no budget to pay me. That's fine. I will do it for the exposure. I will do it for, you know, just talking about my experience or whatever. Maybe it'll help someone. And you get to name um, a charity or two at the end. So I was like, grand, I'll do that. And I was like, so you have a swipe up link, grand, that's to donate people. So people can donate to this charity. And I'm like, perfect. And I'm like, and how much are you donating yourselves? And they were like, oh, well, that's not really the angle we're coming from. We're actually just going to, you know, promote the charity and let, and I goes, well, you expect your followers to donate, but you're not going to donate yourselves. And I was just thinking, I was like, would you not like set up a thing where it's like for the month of June, you know, a percentage of each item that you sell goes to the charity and they were like that's a great idea but we're, we're not going to do that i was just like i don't know i just think i know that i know i've rambled now and it's not media but it's it, it it's the same it's like if if someone's asking you to divulge your whole experience about being trans and how hard it might be or whatever like don't do that for free like don't yeah. like who works I mean, for free I, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? exposure isn't always the safest thing so you're putting yourself in yeah. harm's way by mm-hmm. putting your voice out there. So you need to make sure that you have the mm-hmm. like financial security behind you to protect yourself. I mean, I know, I know it's not like really and quite my story to tell, but um, Sarah Phillips was telling us she did a um, an interview before where the guy was getting on like the ground and started like shoving the camera up her skirt. Yeah, like. <laughs> This was the nineties. Yeah, I don't. I can just say things. Yeah. No, I wasn't shoving up the skirt, but it was like the low angle, and I think that was the photographer's like acquired like gaze. He was like, "We want to get that crop shot in." Yeah. When celebrities used to get out of the cars, I think it was that same like sensationalized like. You can see their privates. Women were like in short skirts, whatever, and they would have to like put one leg out at a time out of the car, and like the the vultures would swoop in. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's also just a gross place to like photograph someone as they're like anything necessarily like that. Yeah, going somewhere. The first photo shoot we ever did was quite like oversexualized in the sense that we were wearing like barely any clothes. Um, right. <laughs> no, yeah. that walk, Chloe, that walking shot when we were walking outside of my old house, that one, they, why did they use mm. the one where you could literally see everything down there for me? I know I shouldn't have been wearing that rocking I, place suit anyway, but like still, like, is that literally the only shot, probably the only shot, probably the only shot, shot we were walking. Where, like, 
you, you don't have very, a very good clothes sense and you kind of tend to wear things that are like too girly or too sexual because it's me like the makeup and all the like shitty forced male um, stuff you have to wear as a kid. Well, I mean, I wore a maternity night dress, so. Really? <laughs> I don't know what I was trying to gain from that, but. Um. <laughs> uh, you look good, though. You did look good, though. Yeah, I think it's very, like, it's very um, heteronormative or, you know, like, cis, you know, having yeah. to be super femme and, and, and whatever when, Jesus Christ, I'm not like that now. Well, I, I am. I'm still into makeup and I'm still into, like, stuff like that. But at the same time, I'm sitting here in, like, just leggings and an oversized jumper, you know, and no makeup oh God, on like, or anything. I'm just, like, cause I, just, I, I, I have not It just gets too much, doesn't it? Like, it's just, like... Like, my face, I mean, I, I haven't finished doing my electrolysis rattan. So I have that problem going on. I was just like, because I need to go out tomorrow. And uh, I don't know if like other people, I find if I like remove my facial hair uh, every day, like, it, it doesn't get as close then after a while. And like, that's really embarrassing. And like, I nearly mm-hmm. plan how I'm going, what days I can look shit at and what days I'm going out at. And I kind of plan to kind of try and get myself presented the best I can. Thank God for I, the I face know. masks. Yeah. The face mask is so great. Actually, it really is. Because I have, like, this fashion one, and I'm like, I think I'm all cool because I yeah. have it. It's, like, I got from a website that's, like, what would you say? It's, like, high fashion or whatever. I'm like, oh, I'm so cool. But uh, I, I don't want to name it because they're not paying me. <laughs> well done. <laughs> one thing I do think that, like, isn't talked about enough is, like, I don't know, I kind of feel like if I look back on how I looked like three or four years ago, I actually think um, I was better when I was very like self-conscious and like, you know, very over aware of of my image. And then like after having surgery and gaining weight, you know, so I feel like if if any advice would be like, appreciate what you have while you have it. So no, even even though you might feel like very dysphoric and you might think you look like shit, like like you you're probably better you know. than you actually think. So yeah, I, it doesn't get better. Is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chloe, you can't say that. It gets better for some people. I mean, I don't know. I I do feel like there is an element of, like, we worry so much about our own appearances, whereas, like, no one else is really going to analyze us that much. Like, you've got long hair, you're a girl. Okay, go, go. Like, like that's most people's thought process. Whereas I think we can often hyperfixate and, like, yeah. are my nostrils feminine enough? You know, that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about that before. I don't know. I just think, at the start, I was so the beacon of, like, what I don't want to see in the world. Like, oh. I was so binary and so for binary. I was so for it. Like, I was so uneducated. I see, yeah. And it was horrible. I, I think I was a horrible person. And I think, like, since kind of, I don't know what changed in me, but I'm just kind of, like, now I'm just like, nah. I'm like, fuck the binary and, you know, and, and fuck the things that, like, have restricted yeah. us for so long, you know, if you're a trans woman and you want to have short hair, have short hair, you're still a woman. You know, it's like, it's just these stupid things that we need to move away from. Like, oh my God, I get so angry when I hear things like, like I, I really want to like, create like a fashion chain that's based on like elder chars and then just be like, you know, like hats with eyeballs and like hair clips, like red eyeballs and then like scar shaped like tentacles and just be like, I am a uh, compilation of horror tissue and I'm a woman. Do it. Do what makes you happy. <laughs> oh, I was only gonna say like, oh my god, girl, you're like the good buffalo bill. <laughs> no, that's not like the We should cut that out. I feel bad uh, to, like bring that up. Right, what's it? The the rule of trees, that's it. Um oh. like the um alpaca Alex. Certainly <laughs> so I'm like I think of that's an A. Or armadillo Alex. So then I can have like a hard shell. 
Okay, I think you need to work uh, on well, your brand people. Like, like, yes, girl, <laughs> you can get there. Okay. <laughs> I'm creating like a fashion chain for Elder Towers. I don't I don't know how important branding will be. <laughs> I just think like yeah, we're we still talking about the, the binary and having to conform to society's standards of what a woman is. Yeah. <laughs> I, or what I, a woman should look like. It's it's stupid. Like I've I've just seen like I think as well as I get older and kind of like looking back on like just stuff like toys and stuff from like the nineties, but they're so binary and so like, hmm. like I mean like stuff like He Man, where it's so like nearly sexual, but like towards men, like he's like you know what I mean, like he's wearing this like harness and he's like all jacked, and it's very like, I mean the the, the thing like when I was growing up, well I thought that was before nineties, that was like the seventies, but like you know. People would always joke about he was gay, but uh, he man, you know the action figure, and and I don't, it's just like weird how like unnecessarily oh, gendered kids' toys were, and then they and then they'd always come out with a girl version after, and it was like always pink or whatever, princessy, and like like Shira, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, princess Shira or something. But like they even not to talk more yeah, about media, but I know they I, made I've a Netflix it. show so and it is very like inclusive and there's like, non binary characters so in it, so it's like Yeah. And then they're, they're gonna make a He Man cartoon. And I never thought I'd be excited for a He Man cartoon. <laughs> but I have the mentality of a four year old, so like um Yeah. I think it's getting better in some ways, but I think it's also still One very thing I have much, a major issue there. is um, advertising. I feel like that's... Because that, that's actually where those cartoons came from, was because uh, I think it was Regan relaxed the, the laws in America that said like how a child could be advertised to. And um, then, so they, they said that the cartoons were just advertisements. They were just there to make toy lines. And the thing about advertisements, it's that they intentionally try to separate people into the smallest spot, like groups possible or whatever, most common denominators, like boy, girl. And so it benefits them, behooves them to um to like to try and keep people within those kind of circles. And like to just to push the, the status quo to, like that that's this gender uh, culture society. And um mm-hmm. I, I just I hate like the idea of advertising towards kids. It's, because they're so, they don't have value of money and they're so easy to exploit. And if you can get brand loyalty in the kids from a young age, that can often persist until they get like much older. Or even like, I know people now who like still collect like kids' toys because they just can't. They they just grew up with them and that was like what happiness was to them as a kid or whatever. I, I don't know. I I get very strong mm-hmm. opinions about advertising in particular. I hate advertising. So exploitative. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I just think like it's ridiculous how we've placed gender. On, yeah, like, like you can't really name clothes, anything colors. that isn't gendered. Like like your color is like it's like EM like electromagnetic waves. They have genders. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous, really. But I don't know. I just yeah, think, I mean, like even like keep doing food, like salads are for girls and burgers are for boys. Like. <laughs> Yeah, but it's still kind of persistent. I think that's a bit gone. It's weird. Ever since White Chicks. I never saw that. When she sort of got the da-da-da-da. And he's like, perhaps a salad for the lady. And she's like, "Eh, perhaps not. big, (laughs) dumbass burger. That's me. Sorry, that's an SNL thing. What are you going to say, Jill? Sorry. (laughs) What do you think? Yes, it's fine. But I think we'll like maybe end it soon. I mean, we're coming to a close. That's how you say it on podcasts. But Lilith asked, would you have any advice people early in their transition? Oh, God. Or just coming out? Because you're both so like young. And it's like, what have you learned in your youth, ladies? (laughs) Just make sure that you have the right people around you and a good support system. Um, because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. 
And I would just say, um, just do whatever makes you happy. Like, try not to let outside influences, like, influence you on living a life that you don't want to live or that is not authentic for you. Um, yeah, and just, you know, if it's not, sometimes it's not safe. So obviously I'm not going to tell that to everybody, you know, go and do something that's not safe for you if you're in a different country or whatever. But definitely just try and live as authentic to you as you can because life's really short. We only get one shot at it. Well, that's what I believe. And um, you might as well just live it to to your full potential. Yeah, that's great. I think, like, uh, I mean, would you say, like, did you guys, I don't know, if you guys ever went to Tenny or anything like that, do you think that's a good kind of support network? Yeah, I think Tenny was very helpful in my transition. Yeah. Uh, Tenny and Belong To were the two ones that I reached out to first and got a lot of help from. Um, so yeah, I think as Chloe said, like just have people there who can support you and uh, guide you, kind of. Yeah. Um, so will we end it there or what's bring it to a close and um, do you guys want to plug anything your only fans do um, yeah. my only fans is Jamie O'Hurlihy my Instagram is <laughs> Jamie O'Hurlihy my YouTube is Jamie O'Hurlihy Everything's if Jamie you're O'Hurley. ever in Scotland or Edinburgh come see me for a haircut at Stag Barber <laughs> I should have yeah. been like call five 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 double three double nine. Call you five, want a good five, time? Five, too hot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then of course, <laughs> as always, uh, you can check out the Sterlings. We have a Twitter. Um, we have our own website. We have a podcast. You might have heard of that. And uh, but Jules, is that everything? I just forget how I end this. <laughs> yes, we do. Did you say Instagram? Oh, we also have an Instagram if you're like that way inclined. Oh, so thank, thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie and thank Chloe. You're both so lovely. Mm-hmm.